How many of you that raise your hands are over 40? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an aftershave that you slap it on your face and you would wake up, you know. It's a cheap aftershave. <laughs> Nonetheless, it, was, it had so much alcohol in it you would wake up after you shave because it would set you on fire. Uh, today we're talking about commitment, that there's power in commitment. Say there's power in commitment. See, this is actually, in, on the Jewish calendar, this is the day of Pentecost. In Israel today, they're celebrating Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. And that is, uh, that is about uh, harvest. And on the Feast of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, when Peter got up and preached, uh, 3,000 people were saved. There was a harvest that came in. And not long after that, another 2,000 came in, and the church began to grow rapidly. How many of you know if you're establishing something new, you really want it to be established well? You really want it to be done correctly. Anybody in here ever build a house from the pad up? You've ever built a house from the pad up? What do they, t- what do, they do when they come out to figure out where they're going to put the foundation of the house or the pad? What do they do? They actually send somebody else to drill down and check it and see if that ground is going to be firm enough and it's going to sustain whatever size building you're going to put on it. Now, this building, we had to do that when we got all of the license and the permits to make this a place of assembly instead of an office building. And they had to drill down. They said, man, you got bedrock under this building. You, this is on a firm foundation. And I'm telling you, if, there is a, if there's a weather warning or an alert or a tornado warning, if there's any place in this city I'd rather be, it'd be in this basement. Because most of this basement is underground. And this building is solid, Okay. This is a solid place. So when you're building something and you want to build a new home or something, you're going to spend a lot of money. You want it to be a solid foundation. In the same way as the beginning of the New Testament church in the book of Acts, that's the beginning of the church ages. We, are, we know it and are in it today. Their foundations needed to be, they needed to be solid. Everything that they needed, to, everything that they were doing, there was a foundational purpose in it. And all these weeks that I've been preaching on the church in action, the church in action has to go back to the foundations, and we have to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And when, when we're led by the Spirit of God, we're, we will witness, we will be bold in our faith, we will continue in our faith and do all the things that God ordained in that church that He's still ordaining today. He's God. He's not changed. He still wants the same things taking place in the church today that took place 2,000 years ago. And for that to happen, we've got to have commitment. We've got to come to the place where we're committed. In Acts chapter 4, 31, last week, we finished with this. And then when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. I mean, the whole building shook because they were seeking God. And God was saying, I'm here. I hear you. And they were all filled. And it's not in there. But if you go back to the tense of the Greek, it's saying, and they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, remember last week, many of you came forward because you really wanted to be prayed for for boldness, that the spirit of fear would be lifted off you, that you would be bold in your faith. And God, is, if you believe that by faith, then you begin to operate in that boldness. And I pray that you have begun to operate in that boldness. And fear has not, I know he'll try to come back on you, but God did not give you a spirit of fear, but what? Power and love and a sound mind. So we are a spirit-filled body of believers that believe that the Acts chapter uh, 2 church and the Acts chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and so on, that we are that church today. God has not deviated from his plan. He didn't say, well, it was good for them, but it's not good for today because it's what was good for then in the beginning. And the fact that God does not change is still good for us today. Amen? Amen. 
So wake up. We've got to wake up and we've got to recognize that Pentecost Sunday is every Sunday. Every day is Pentecost Day. Every day is the resurrection day in our life because God is doing these things in us fresh every day. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about this, about this 100 percent commitment to the kingdom of God. 100 percent commitment to God. God is requiring our very best. He's not asking for 95 percent church. He's not asking for 98 percent. What is he asking for? A hundred, not a hundred and five, hundred and ten. That's not even possible. He's asking for you to surrender your life to him. And even as Christians, when we do that surrender, that initial surrender, many times in the process, we, very, we, we walk away or we, we quit living that. We, we, we get apathetic. Something happens in our life and we get mad. And, and all these things can happen in our life. But God has called us. Listen, he's called us to 100% commitment. I've got some quote here about commitment. Zig Ziglar said this. And many of you can re- relate to this even today because, uh, because of the rain. It was a character that got us out of bed. Character got you out of bed. Commitment that moved us into action. The church of action, the church of commitment. And discipline that has enabled us to follow through. That's what God has called us to as a church body. Howard Schultz said this, When you're surrounded by people who share a passionate commitment around a common purpose, anything is possible. That's true, church. If we are committed together as one, anything's possible. Because we know God says all things are possible with him that believes. Amen? And then Vince Lombardi, how many sports fans did we have here this morning? Vince Lombardi, man, he was one of the greatest coaches that ever lived. Even though they beat the Cowboys in the Ice Bowl that day, he's still one of the greatest coaches that ever lived. And he was quoted a lot because, man, he was a philosopher. And he said this, the quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. Now, we're talking about spiritual commitment today. If we are going to be a people of excellence, we we have to be a people of commitment. Okay, now I know some of you are already uneasy with this sermon. You're going, oh, no, he's going to ask us to do everything. He's going to ask. No, I'm not asking you to do anything. God's going to ask you. And when he asks, listen, you need to listen. You need to obey. The word of God, somebody said it earlier. Abe said, the man, the word of God will not return to you him void. Well, it's going to do what he directs it to do, what it, the purpose in it. So God's called us a commitment. Rome, uh, uh, Matthew 6.33 is a scripture that many of you know by heart. Seek ye what? First. Seek ye what? First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things are things about uh, worldly things. Uh, your food, your clothing, all the, your sustenance, what you need to live. And he said, but first, you've got to seek him first. He always wants first. You shall have no other. He said, don't have any other gods before me, didn't he? And so he really meant that. When Jesus said something, when God said something, we need to listen, take, take note of what he said because he asked him for commitment. And in the same way, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, in the same way we are committed in the area of our faith, it's parallel, and it's so beautiful, the parallels that happen in our commitment in marriage. Okay? So I want you to watch a short video. Emma, these past seven months have been incredible. And, I mean, honestly, when I saw you seven months ago, I knew. I knew from that moment that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with you. You're kind, beautiful smart. I can't picture a more perfect woman. So, Emma Lily Thompson, 
Will you marry me? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> I have to see other guys on the side, but yes. Wait, what? Uh, what are the guys? What, what are you talking about? I'm the perfect woman, just like you said. I'm gonna have gourmet meals for us every single night. Our house is gonna be perfect. Oh, it's gonna be amazing, babe. And I mean, you don't really expect me to be a one-man kind of woman, anyway. Uh, no, that's actually like a a big part of marriage, like you and me, together. Yeah, but I can't give up every guy. I mean, that's asking a little much, don't you think? A, a little, a little. I just asked you to marry me. If we're married, you can't see anyone else. That, that no, that that's wait, not, wait. Okay, I'm, okay I'm shh. It's okay. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You're right. I was wrong. Thank I you. totally understand where you're coming from. This is our moment. And we're going to be so happy together. Every single day. Except once a week. Well, uh, once a week? Okay. What, Just no. simply once a week. Did you, did you not listen to anything Every other I year? said? No. On a what? leap year? No. Okay, Emma. Okay. I, 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 I can't. I, I can't. Once a week on a leap year and you're going to freak out? Emma. We're done. What? Babe, you were just asking me to marry you. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Really? It's pretty funny, isn't it? Pretty real, isn't it? See any parallels in your faith walk? God, I love you, but I just want to hang on to this one thing. Lord, I really want to commit to you, but I'm sure you won't mind if I just could keep this one little sin. I, it's, you know, I, I, one of these days I want to give it up, but God's calling for a, a commitment like a man. this man was asking for a commitment from this woman. Now, if you're a guy here today and you proposed to a woman and she said that, would you marry her? Well, aren't you cute? <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you marry a woman that says, I'm gonna, I'll be devoted to you most of the time, but not all the time? Would you marry her? No. Seriously, guys, I'm asking. No. Oh, thank you. Man. Just checking. I just asked you all to get awake. I guess you do need to slap each other. <laughs> no. God's, God called us to 100% commitment. And do I understand grace? You better believe I understand grace. Because even after you make the commitment, we need a lot of grace. How many of you are married here today? How many of you need grace in your marriage? Okay, did you make a commitment to each other? Have you been perfect? Has grace entered in? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> But at the beginning of your marriage, don't you want it to be the best that it possibly can be? People come to me for counseling. They say, well, Pastor, we like, we're wanting to get married, and we want to go through marriage counseling. I say, okay. And one of the things I say is, I want to give you the best opportunity to have the best marriage. And so by saying that, I say, that, so I'm going to tell you some hard truths. Because I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. But if you don't make him first in you, if you don't put him first in your life, or if you decide, I know what the world says, if it doesn't work, we'll just get a divorce. Man, I, that's one of the things I would jump down your throat on. I'll say, listen, the D word can never come up. You have to say, look, 
We are not. That's not a. That's not a. That's not a, something a default that we can go to, and that's not. We can't go to divorce. You know why? If you don't have divorce in the world, if that's not a part of your marriage, then the fact is you got to work it out. And so many people, the world has crept in into the church where the the divorce rate in churches is the same as it is in the world, and that's a sad indictment on the church. Because about it's about commitment. And so God, and I'm not preaching on marriage today, but I am preaching on marriage. Because it's about, are you willing to commit? Because God says, I want you to commit. And there's this, there's, this, there's this event that happened in the Bible. This is not a parable about Ananias and Sapphira. It's not a parable. It's not something they're saying this could have happened. This happened. And I want you to understand how serious God is about commitment. The first thing that I want you to see is commitment equals unity. Say commitment equals unity. There is power in this thing called commitment. I want you to look at Acts 4.32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Say one heart and one soul. So we got the new church, all these thousands of members, not enough deacons to go around. Okay? And they have to be on the same page. They're all living. They've all, they've, they're staying in Jerusalem. There are people that, have, that haven't gone back to their home, and they're so hungry for Jesus. They're hungry for this teaching, and God knows that he's got to keep them there to prepare them and train them because there's going to be persecution. They're going to be scattered all over the world, but when they're scattered, they're going to be scattered with the truth of the gospel. They're going to be ready. They're going to be equipped to go. Some of you get scattered from here. Some of you are in the military. The soul offs today, this is their last Sunday. They're getting scattered. They're going to Germany, but they're taking the gospel to Germany with them. But they're equipped, and they've been equipping our kids. So we've got to come to this place. He says, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common. And with great power, say great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, say great grace was upon them all. Listen, when you've got great power, when you've got unity, when everybody's on the same page, not only do you have great power, but you have great grace operating. That's what my, that's what my Bible says. Now, when the church, notice that the church is committed to following Christ, that this grace would fall upon them also. I love that term, great grace. It's amazing grace. Now, verse 34. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all, say all, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Now, they knew about tithing. They've been taught about tithing. They weren't tithing in the sense of 10%, were they? They gave everything. 100% commitment. They didn't have to watch a Blessed Life video to know that they needed to give things away. We get so attached to our stuff that we are going to go, we're going to go to our grave with our stuff. And we think somebody's going to hitch a U-Haul up to the hearse and we're going to take it with us. It does not work that way. Somebody said, well, you can't take anything with you. You can take something with you. You can take other souls with you when you lead them into the kingdom of God. But you can't say, you can't take any things with you. No stuff is going to go with you. You know where it's going to go? To a state sale or to your kids who don't want your stuff. Why did mom and dad buy that clock? Ooh, that's the ugliest clock I've ever seen. And on the back, to us, son. <laughs> I know you'll love this clock. Garage sale. We go to estate sales. We like to go to estate sales. Anybody do that, like to do that? 
You know what the saddest thing about estate sales is? Is old Bibles that have somebody's name that's got the genealogy and all the, those things, and, and somebody's, the kids don't even want the Bible. Or their photo albums. You know, there's nobody left, so there's, the photo albums are anybody. I mean, who wants somebody else's old photo albums? I don't know. But God, is, he's called us to this commitment, so when we leave this earth, that we leave something here. We leave a heritage. And we take people with us because they come to the kingdom because we have the boldness and we took action as the church takes its action and we got to lead them into the kingdom of God. That's, that's what it's all about, church. So they didn't have to hear any good teachings. That They just knew that whatever they had was not theirs. So what I say, my stuff is not my stuff. My property is not my property. Your debt is your debt. <laughs> Just <laughs> sorry. My debt is his debt. Well, it kind of is. Hey. The thing is, there's a scripture in Psalm, Psalm 24. It says this The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. When we can come to the place, church, of saying, What I've got is the kingdom's. You will, you, will, you will move to a new level of freedom in your life. You really will. So many people think, well, I've got to hold on this, and I've got to hoard this. Have you ever seen that show, Hoarders? Man, man, if you're a hoarder, I just want to bless you today to be free of that. I'm serious. That, that's a disease. That's a sickness. It's a, it's a sickness. It's, it's a, I don't know what you call it. What, what would that come under a spirit of what? Gluttony? Lust? Fear, it's under a lot of bad spirits, okay? But we have to come to the place of knowing that what we have is not ours. And when, you, when it's not yours and you can give it away and bless people with it, I'm telling you, you don't, you don't know freedom until you get to give somebody something like that. So, you know what, I've got this. I know you need this. Can I give this to you? And you watch people go, what? Really? And get blessed? Acts uh, 4.36. And Joseph, I love this. Who's, uh, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, was Barnabas the only person who sold land and gave it to the apostles? No, he was not. So I'm thinking, why did God bring out, why did he, why did he pick on Barnabas? And why did Peter n- rename the guy? Because I wouldn't look it up because it says they named him. They nicknamed him, so to speak. Anybody have a nickname? Anybody in here have a nickname? What's your nickname? Buddy. Anybody else have a nickname? Phil? Harley? Your name's Phil? Okay. Makes no sense. Angry? Henry. Henry. Okay. That's, yes. That's not cool, man. Don't do that to her. I'm, on, I'm not asking anymore. I, I went across the line on that one. Peter names this guy the son of encouragement. Do you know what Barnabas means in Greek? Doesn't mean that. I thought that was kind of interesting. It means son of rest. So he's nicknamed. He says, listen, what he's saying is, guys, this man is an encourager. How many of you know when, we, when you're involved, how many of you ever played sports? And, then that's, and I'm talking about team sport. How many of you ever played team sports? And how many of you on the team sport, they had a captain on the team? 
Sometimes the captain was the best player, but not necessarily the best player. Normally, the captain is the motivator on the team, right? He's the one who says, man, you can do this for that kid that's really struggling in the sport. Come on, you can do this. He's the encourager. And Barnabas was the encourager. He said, man, guys, we can sell our property. God's going to take care of us. It's not a problem. And he was an encourager. And I'm thinking, why did God single out Barnabas? Because he wanted to show there's a difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. He wanted to show us what it looked like to be a person that gave everything and people that didn't give anything in the sense of being deceitful. So the first thing I want you to know is when we are walking in unity, when we're, all, when we're walking in, in this unity that God's called us to, it brings about this commitment, and commitment brings about unity. They work together. Commit, say commitment equals unity. But there's another side in this called deception, and deception equals division. Acts 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. This is a continuation of the story. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. And his wife, also being aware of it, she knew, and he brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want to tell you about, I love to, anybody like to do name searches? What's names mean? Especially when you're naming your kid. And we have, we have a grandchild on the grandson on the way. His name, they're already decided to name him Ezra. And we checked it out. Ezra means seeker of truth. That's a good name. Okay. We're going to call him easy. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming uh, in August. And we, we celebra- we're just celebrating all the time about his name. Is, and we speak that over him. He's going to be a seeker of truth. So we've got Ananias, and this means one whom Jehovah has graciously given. Wow. God has really blessed Ananias, even in his name. Names meant a lot back then, and they still mean a lot. So he was graciously given to him, but he's not so gracious in the return. Sapphira, I guess you might want to, you might figure out where that comes from. It comes from the gem, Sapphire. Does that say Sapphire. You know what sapphire is? It's a precious stone. So here we got this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, one who God has greatly uh, 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 gifted and blessed, and one who's precious to him. And here they are conspiring to do something that is so, so deceitful when they didn't have to be deceitful. And I want to just read the, the next few verses, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not taking, I mean, I'm not uh, making any excuses for God, Okay. Because somebody's going to want an excuse here. Why do you do that? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. I want to tell you right now, right, just understand this. God does not like you to lie to him. God does not take it lightly when we lie to him. And I'm not talking just about your money. I'm talking about any area of your life. He does not want you to be deceitful to him. Matter of fact, it's kind of stupid to lie to God because he already knows the truth. And Peter's operating him by the Spirit. Here's this man that comes up, and he, look, think about it. Ananias, he hears, um, this, is, this is me, okay? Ananias hears about Barnabas. Man. 
Sapphira, did you hear about Barnabas? He's got, man, they're already calling him the son of encouragement. He came and he gave. And, man, I, I, he's, pretty, he's pretty popular around here. He's got the big C on his, on his, on his robe. He's the captain of the team. He's the encourager. And, and Peter and them, they're buddying up to him. And, man, he's doing all these great things. And he's just encouraging us one after the other. He said, I'd kind of like to have some respect like that. I'd kind of like to be well-known like that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go sell some property, but we're not going to give it all. Because, you, you know, we can't really trust God to, to, take, to really help us and get through life without that rest. We're going to have to hold that back for ourselves. We're going to have to keep something for us. So we're, we're just going to, but we're going to tell them it's everything. Okay? So here's Ananias. He's coming in. He's all pumped up. His wife's not there because she's three hours late. And you know why she's three hours late, don't you guys? She's got to get her makeup done in her hair. How many of you waited on your wives this morning to get ready for you? Okay, yeah. Just so he, he, is, he is all puffed up, and he's thinking this is going to be really cool what he's about to do. And that Peter's going to give him a slap on the back and say, come on in, buddy. You're on, you're on the elder squad. But he has a word of knowledge. Peter has a word of knowledge. So why have you lied about what you're giving? I think that's when his heart started to beat out of his chest. You know? How did he know? Anybody ever been caught in a lie? Especially when you're a kid. And then that's the worst thing. Then your heart just start beating real fast. My mom didn't mean to. You're caught, man. You're caught in you. You think mom? Mom's got a word of knowledge. She did. Yeah, dad told her your brother, your sister. And all of a sudden. What he's coming in for, this praise and this honor and this glory, turns out to be his death. Look what happened. Then Ananias, hearing these words, see, he never said another word, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And to that I say, no, duh. Seriously, you mean Peter said he lied and he died? <laughs> it's, really what, it's really what happened. And the young men arose and they wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Man, don't you know funeral homes back then just kind of, man, how can we can make a living? The guy just died and you already wrapped him up and buried him? Hadn't even told his wife yet? <laughs> he's, out of the, he's out of the scene, okay? It's not a good idea to lie to God. You might want to write that down, and that's a profound statement. <laughs> Matter of fact, God didn't want you to lie to each other. Now enter the wife. Now, I think, this is role, uh, I think of this as a role reversal of Adam and Eve. Remember? You know what I'm, why I'm saying that? Because Eve said, hey, Adam, this fruit is so tasty. If you'll eat this, we'll have our eyes will be open. Come, Adam, let's have some. And, and Adam said, oh, yeah, baby, whatever. And he took the fruit, and they, you know, their eyes were open, and they sinned, and they were cast out of the garden, and you know the rest of the story. But this is kind of a role reversal because here we've got the man saying, hey, baby, let's lie to God. Matter of fact, they didn't think they were lying to God. They just said, let's lie to the apostle. We'll just tell Peter that, hey, this is all we got. Man, we sold it and got a good price for it. And this is what we got. We're going to lay it down at his feet. You see, a lot of people have a problem with, with tithing and they have a problem with giving. These people didn't. They said, we trust the apostle to do what the income, what he was supposed to do. Now, it's about three hours later, 
When his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter answered her and said, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, <laughs> so for so much. And Peter said to her, How is it you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? So when you lie to God, you're testing the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by, the, by her husband. And again, great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Have you all heard about what's happening down the church? <laughs> If you hold back, you're in trouble, you know. I told Jeff, he said, what are you preaching? I said, man, I was going to preach if you don't tithe, God will kill you. <laughs> he said, you can't preach that. I said, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preach that. But, you know, I ask these questions, and I'm sure you ask the same question that I do. Why so severe a penalty? Why? Why did Peter, after, after Sapphira hit the floor, why didn't he go and pray for her and raise her up and teach her? Uh, Sapphira, let me tell you, your husband's, and we're going to get him up later. <laughs> but this is what you get. No, he didn't do that. God's, God was setting a standard. God set standards. Now, his grace is awesome. But for this day, he said, that's enough. I cannot have this infiltrate this young body of believers. We have got to go forth with integrity. You see, that's been missing in the church for many, many years. Integrity, character, truthfulness. And why do you think the church is in a weakened state across the world? Why do you think we allowed abortion to come into our country? And gay marriages to be okay. Why do you think we've allowed that, though, those things to happen? Because the church has been in a weakened state. And we don't understand the standards that God set are high. He's coming back for a bride. The groom is Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And he's called us to make a commitment to him. You know what we've done? We've lied to him. We put on a pretense. Churches across the world have put on a pretense, and they're putting on a pretense this morning. They're saying this is about God, but it's not about God. It's about a program. Y'all are getting this extra. This it wasn't in the first sermon. <laughs> Guys, we, I'm serious. We, I, cannot, can, I can't step into this place and, and say and water down the gospel so y'all will feel good. So when y'all go home, oh, but wasn't that a nice, wasn't that a sweet sermon today? See, y'all might go home and say, I can't believe he said that. Well, if you can't believe I said it, then look at the scripture and then come talk to me about it. Ananias and Sapphira were not all in. Barnabas was. God's called us to be all in. Does that mean perfection? I'm sorry to say that I'm not perfect, but neither are you. And that's where that grace thing is so beautiful. But he's called us to make a commitment. It's like some kid trying to, he's been, he's been selected to make a baseball team. And he may not be the best player, but you know what? He's there early, and he leaves the last. Y'all know that, Luda. Y'all know that. Anybody know about the Houston Astros? 
There's a little guy on their team called, his name's Altuve. He's about five foot five. He's short. I saw him one time. No kidding. He's, he's, he's a starter on the team. He's an all-star. He, had a, he hit a pitch that was so high, he had to jump to swing the bat. And he hit the ball. But you know what? When they told him he couldn't, he wasn't going to, he wasn't worthy that he, that he needs to go away. He went to some camp and they were trying people out. And they said, well, you didn't make the, you didn't make the tryout. It's nice of you to come. Guess what he did the next day of the tryout? He showed up. And the next day he showed up and they said, well, listen, you're just too little. You, he said, I'm a good baseball player. I've been playing since I was. And man, he was, he was committed to the game. And he is one of the best players in baseball and all of baseball. And he shouldn't, he, he doesn't fit the mold. But man, he hit one out the other day against the Rangers. I mean, he knocked it out of the park because he's committed. But I'm saying, you don't, you don't have to be the best at whatever you're doing, but you have to be committed. You have, you have to come to the place that I don't understand, but God, I am going to come before you, and I'm going to come before you, and I'm going to keep coming before you. I want to read your word. I want to try to understand your word, Lord. I don't get it all, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going for it. I'm going to keep. Listen, that's what God's called us to. He didn't call us to perfection. He's the one that's perfect. But he's called us to commitment because there's power in commitment. You would think after that everybody was afraid of the church, you know. Well, you, you heard what's going on down there. If you don't give, man, they're gonna, God's going to kill you. But you know, what the, you know what people did? They, they knew there was a standard being raised up in the church. So the great fear became, came upon them, but guess what? It did not destroy the church. It strengthened the church. We think if we, if we give in to certain things, more people will come. Well, that might be true, but that doesn't mean it's stronger. The power of commitment. Before I get to there, I want to. I highlighted something that I wrote this this morning. God's going to do whatever is necessary to protect His body, the bride that He's preparing for His Son. He said, "Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." God's. God, this is God's church. And once we think it's our church, it's His, because we make we make a mess of it. It's God's church. The power of commitment. Final. Verse 12. Good on time. And through the hands of the apostles. Listen, this is after all this. They had died. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. They weren't trying to build a mega church. They were trying to be faithful. You, you get what I'm saying? The people were afraid of them. But guess what they did? They esteemed them highly. So we may not agree with what's going on down there, but man, they are people of integrity. They are people that really believe what they believe and they live it. That's commitment, church, that we live what we believe. The enemy is trying to bring deception into the body, which brings division. But God had other plans. And the church continued to grow. The church was all with one accord. I used to sing in a quartet many, many years ago. Oh, gospel quartet. We, sing, we used to sing a lot of the Imperials songs. Anybody remember the Imperials? I think they're the oldest group that's ever existed. I mean, they started back in the 
thirties or forties, and they're you know even though they're, of course, they're different members, they're still going. Y'all don't know them? Okay, sheesh, man, go Google it. They used to sing a song called Part-Time Servant. And in that song they talk about, I can't remember the words exactly, but God didn't call us to be part-time servants. He called us to be full-time. He called us to be committed. And we're talking about the New Testament. So, well, you know, I understand that, but what about what did Jesus say about that? Well, if you want to talk about commitment and you want to talk about Jesus, huh. Matthew six twenty four. no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Mark three twenty five. and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I could read you another hundred scriptures about Jesus when like when the Rich young ruler came and said, what I got to do? He said, well, sell all you got, give it away, then come follow me. He was calling for commitment. But you know, for some people are afraid to commit, and God's the minute. If you follow me, I give you everything. You, you commit to him, he gives you everything. He provides all your needs. He says, you're, you're, you, you, you'll go to live with me forever and eternity. He says, I am not going to leave you or forsake you ever. I am going to teach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. Listen, when you commit to him, he commits to you 100%. And he gives you everything you need if you're willing to commit to him. He's just not, he's just not into us holding back a little bit. The question I want to ask you this morning, so because I've asked these questions the last few weeks, uh, you know, about boldness, about fear, about all these issues, uh, are you, are you continuing on your faith? Are you connected to the body? And we've been praying every week a certain prayer for certain, for certain needs in the body. Today it's going to be about commitment. I, I know a lot of people don't like the term recommitting your life to Christ. As a matter of fact, I think it's a pretty cool term. Because I know people that are saved, that they, they love the Lord, but somewhere along the way they've been hurt in church, been hurt by somebody, they, they've got unforgiveness in their heart, whatever, and they, they, they start falling away, and they get away from the body, and they get detached, and then the, then the lion comes and gets the, you know, the wildebeest. <laughs> if you got to see that video. We get separated from the flock, and the enemy comes. But once you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, listen, I believe that you are sealed for eternity. I know a lot of people, they get saved over and over and over and over. More than likely, they got saved once, and they just recommitted their life and recommitted their life. And that word recommitment, that's what I'm talking about this morning. Are you committed to Jesus Christ? Because if you're allowing compromises to come in your life, listen, compromise creates division. I want to finish. I want to complete. Uh, I didn't do the first service, but I've got a little time. I want to read from the message, 2 Corinthians 6, in closing. I want the uh, ministry team to be ready to come up. It's the Apostle Paul. He's talking to the church at Corinth. And I think this kind of sums up everything I've said this morning. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? 
Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are, each of us a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. If that's not 100% commitment that he's asking from us, he says, I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you. You see, if you're, if you're out there alone and, and you've never given your, yourself to Christ and you felt rejected and you've got an orphan spirit on you, he said, listen, if you will commit to me, I will not leave you alone. I will be a father to you. You will be sons and daughters to me. This is the word of the master, God. That's what he wants to give you. Listen, God didn't require us to commit to him without him committing back. Man, he's all in. He's, all, he's been all in since before the creation of the world. He's been all in. And he proved it when he said, I'm going to send my only son to die for you, that you might have life everlasting. He gave his best, and he's asking us to give all our, our all back to him. Would you stand and ministry team come forward? I was talking to somebody the other day about, in the book of Acts, it's kind of weird. In all the book of Acts, the word love is never mentioned. It's not in there. I mean, I told this to this guy. He didn't go to this church, but he's a good friend of mine, and we're just visiting, talking about the Lord. He said, you know, it's not in there, but it's acted out all the time. Acts. Isn't that that true? We can talk about love all we want, but, man, if it's not acted out, it's just words. And they were acting it out. Throughout scriptures, throughout the book of Acts, the church began in, in just in its infancy stages. And God said, I want my church to be pure and holy, and I want my church to grow on the foundations of that. The foundations are good. And he wants us to live out that same foundation today in our lives so we can go and take the church to the world because we are the church as individuals. Collectively, we are, but as individuals, we're the church. So bow your heads and close your eyes. First of all, I just pray that, not, that no condemnation has come on anybody this morning. Because this is not about condemnation. It's about conviction. What are, what are your convictions? The enemy brings condemnation. The conviction of the Holy Spirit to me this morning is, He loves me so much. Holy Spirit loves me so much that I want to do everything I can to live for him. Not because he's going to hurt me if I don't, but because he 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 wants to bless me in every area of my life. That's what he wants to do for you this morning. He wants to bless you. If you're an orphan this morning, I'm not talking a physical orphan, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like an orphan. And the My Father in heaven wants to adopt you today and make you a son or a daughter in him. So this morning, if if you're here, then sound of my voice, every eye, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're one of those people that, man, you're not walking it, your commitment level has dropped way below what it should be, and God's asking you today to recommit your life to him, and you want to, commit your life to him, you want to have 100% commitment to him, 
but you're struggling in that area, I want, we want to pray for you. If, if you're that person this morning that's struggling with your commitment, but you really want to commit, would you raise your hand quickly? Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up all over the room. All over the room. You really want to commit to the Lord, but you're not committed like you know you could be. Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. You know, the sad thing about in a group like this, a lot of you are just happy where you're at, the status quo. And for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray because you're staying where you're at because you feel unworthy. You feel like you, there's fear. Wow, if I do commit, then God's going to ask me to go to China. <laughs> now, seriously, he's going to ask me to do this. He's going to ask me to do that. And if he asks you to go to China, guess what? You're going to love China. So I want to pray for you, those of you that are just struggling and you weren't willing to lift your hands because you're just afraid that God's going to ask you to do something. All he wants is you to commit to him. Let him do the rest through you. I just bless those, Father, this morning that are struggling with that commitment, struggling with their faith, just struggling living daily, struggling with fear. But today that that would be lifted in Jesus' name. And they would understand when they commit to you, you come in full blast and you will carry them. And you will teach them. And Father, for those who raise their hands, they really want to commit to you, but they're struggling in that area. I pray that you give them the boldness, which we preached last week, to step out and come and get prayer today. And make that recommitment of their life. But first and foremost, Father, there are people here this morning that have never committed their life to you. Today is their day. Today they're going to say yes to Jesus Christ. We've seen the baptism water stirred every Sunday, even this morning in the first service. People are coming to know Jesus. Maybe there's one, maybe there's ten that don't know you as Savior. Today that they would step into that life and say, I want to commit my life to Christ. Don't know what it looks like, feels like, tastes like, sounds like, but I'm going to do it by faith. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Y'all look up. If you raised your hands a while ago about commitment, please step out and come. Let somebody pray for you. Just step out and come. Don't wait. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear, oh, you don't need to do that. Just do it. Just do it. Be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient. Come on. I want to pray for you this morning. For those of you that are here this morning, And you've never given your life to Christ. You've never made the commitment to Him. I'm inviting you to come. Step out and come and let let the Holy Spirit come over. Just overtake you with the love of Christ and save you today. You've never given your life to Christ. Come on. You've never committed your life to Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. We want to bless you today.